Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Good morning. Can everybody hear me? Okay, Father and I are working out the microphone situation, and we want to make sure that not only the folks here, but the folks in TV land, that they also hear as well. So great. I was thinking this idea when I started working on this sermon. The very first sermon I offered to y'all was right at the start of the demonstrations in response to George Floyd's killing. That seems so long ago, but it really was only 118 days. There has been quite a bit that has happened this summer, yes? Because our news outlets are, are very politicized, The numbers of victims due to the resulting riots will vary by the source that you look at. Some sources say 23 people have been killed in rioting. Another mentions 431 police officers injured or killed. We know for a fact that at least two demonstrators were killed and one wounded in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Of course, even one death or one wounding is one too many. But when looking at what people are saying in interviews and social media, it's not that surprising. For example, many churches, not just ours, offer a prayer for their head of government, who the Lord has set in that position over us. But I have read with my own eyes and I have heard with my own ears accounts where some churches have stopped praying for our president due to disagreements with him. If you think a person is your enemy, you need to pray for her or for him as well as for yourself. The church has always taught this. And it's not just those who disagree with our president. I'm friends with folks on all sides of the political spectrum, from anarchists to monarchists on the other side, and every spot in between. I have heard people on the left side of the the spectrum say that they are through discussing with their political opponents what to do next. They're through. There's open talk about just silencing those opposed to them by any means needed. And some on the political right is saying the same things, but using different words. The only good communist is a dead communist. Things like that. So our society is dividing itself into at least two camps. And there is no longer even seeking to reach out those that they define as the other. Those people. The enemy. People are choosing to not show mercy, and instead to harden their hearts. There is a sense that we as a society are on the edge of a a cliff, and things are starting to get wobbly, and we are not sure in which direction we are going to fall. And that takes me to today's Old Testament reading. I love the Old Testament, because the Old Testament is the New Testament, 
except the names have been changed to protect the innocent and to protect the guilty. Jonah, in particular, is a special book, considered a minor prophet. Jonah lived during the reign of Jeroboam II, based on what Jonah is concerned about in his book, as well as a reference to him in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 23. This means that Jonah was on the earth right around 750 B.C. Another interesting part of Jonah is his motivations in his book. Most prophets delayed or even refused going on their mission, their calling given to them by God, because usually the prophet felt the mission was too big for them to take on, or that they were unsuitable for the task, such as stammering, in the case of Moses, or being unholy. But Jonah was different. He was reluctant to start his prophetic mission because he was afraid he was going to be successful. He did not mind being a prophet. He just did not want his mission to succeed. He was told by God to call Israel's great enemy at the time, the Assyrians in Nineveh, to repent from their evil and wicked ways. Jonah wanted Nineveh to be destroyed by God, but that might not happen if the Ninevites repented. But today's reading is the very end of the book of Jonah. So let's briefly put today's reading back into its context so that we can try to understand it better. Jonah starts with being given the mission by God to preach to Nineveh, to bring the Ninevites to turn away from evil. Jonah, as we know, ran away to Tarshish to escape this mission, eventually trying to escape by sailing on a boat. This boat was caught in a storm, and the sailors on the boat tossed Jonah overboard as a sacrifice to save everyone else on the boat. In doing so, the famous story of Jonah being swallowed by a whale, a fish, or a sea monster happens. Jonah is in the belly of the beast, in darkness, for three days and three nights, until he gets thrown out of the beast's stomach. And the beast is never heard from again. Three days in darkness, alone. We know who Jonah was predicting 750 years before he came to the earth, right? Jesus even said that the sign of Jonah is the sign people should look for in seeing who Jesus truly is. So Jonah is vomited out of the big fish, but he still has to go to Nineveh. Jonah finally does what he is told to do, and he enters the city. He says one sentence while there. In three days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. Jonah then says nothing else, because he wants to do the absolute minimum needed to fulfill God's mission as a prophet. One sentence. But the Ninevites heard that one sentence Jonah said, and they believed. The people in the city wore sackcloth and ashes and repented then and there. And not just the people, 
But the king of Nineveh orders that even the cows, the oxen, and the sheep in the city not eat anything or drink even one drop of water. And the cattle also have to wear sackcloth. Now to our ears, this sounds absurd. Until we read St. Gregory Nazianzus, who points out that this requirement for the animals to participate in this fasting is a sign of how all of creation is to be redeemed in God's plan for salvation. Not just people, but the Lord cares for all of creation. Which is another reason that Christ comes to us in the sacraments. So Nineveh repents, and here we come to the start of today's reading. Jonah had completed his worst fear, that which he dreaded doing. The Ninevites had repented, and God would not destroy them like Jonah had hoped. In fact, Jonah was so unhappy that God was merciful that Jonah asks God to just just kill him now. And God answers Jonah's prayer with a question. Is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah continues to live. So Jonah leaves Nineveh and sits where he can watch the city. He first makes a small tent to keep the sun off of him, but God does something even better. God causes a plant, maybe a gourd or a squash, to suddenly sprout and quickly grow over Jonah so Jonah can sit in the cool shade. Jonah rejoiced because God is merciful towards him. But the next day, the Lord commanded a worm to eat the plant, which had been giving Jonah shade. And so Jonah was miserable under the hot sun and blowing wind. This worm, which St. Gregory wrote, is just like jealousy, took away from Jonah the mercy that God had given him just as jealousy and fear may eat at our hearts and prevent us from rejoicing when God shows mercy to others, even those we declare are our enemies. Jonah prays to God to die again, and God, once again, answers Jonah's prayer, but not in the way that Jonah was hoping for. God points out that Jonah was pleased when mercy was shown him with the growing plant. And so it is unjust to be angry when God shows mercy to those who are like Jonah, but that Jonah himself has put on the other side of things. And that is why I wanted to preach on this reading today. In our world, we are making decisions and presumptions regarding people we might consider unworthy to be prayed with or even worth praying for. We have temptations in that direction to share the gospel with. Instead, we're tempted to think of some people as worthy, not even worthy of a prayer. The fact is that each one of us has been given a mission by God. That mission is to share the gospel with the rest of the world. Sometimes, all we can do is pray for mercy for someone. At best, we can model the gospel in front of someone by showing how a Christian places a stranger above their own selves, not hoping that another person is killed. 
The church has given everyone this mission for over 2,000 years. And that is what we must be on guard about. We do not have the authority to change what the church has taught by scripture or tradition. It's not up to us to change these things. So we must remember this when we meet someone we do not agree with, which happens every day. Our response as Christians cannot be one of division, like Jonah's. I will not pray for that person. Or, the only good Antifa is a dead Antifa. We should never be saying that. Because another truth of this story is that if we offer even the barest minimum of what we've been instructed to do, like Jonah saying one sentence in Nineveh, the Lord can work miracles and wonders with what we offer him. Jonah had certain faith that with God, Nineveh would repent and not be destroyed, and so Jonah did not want to succeed in this mission. It is my hope and my prayer that each of us sees past these artificial problems that the world tells us are here, and instead we step forward in faith to share the gospel, to share the invitation we have received to participate in the life-giving life of the Trinity, both with those we agree with and those we disagree with, because only by uniting in Christ will we have the peace and the justice that we all are searching for. Amen.